0: is a long time friend of this ministry he's been teaching the bible and very well i might add for over 25 years would you please welcome pastor john miller from calvary chapel san bernardino well good evening great to be with you and worship the lord together if you have a bible i'd like you to open it to ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 18 down to verse 21. The subject that I want to look at tonight is the subject of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't think there is any subject more vital and important for the spiritual life and for the Christian life than the subject of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. There's so much confusion today about that very subject. And many times people misunderstand who the Spirit is and what he's come to do and what his work is in our life. And my prayer tonight is is that we as we hear God's word, that we will hear it as an act of worship. You know, we just got through singing as an act of worship and we give as an act of worship. We pray as an act of worship and I trust that tonight as I share the word, I will do that as an act of worship and that you will hear tonight as an act of worship. And that we we truly tonight will have that time when everything we do is an act of worship for his glory, for his honor, and for his praise. So I'd like to invite you to bow your hearts with me again in a word of prayer. And let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us through his word. Father, we thank you. For your word tonight, and we pray that as we open the word, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our ears, open our eyes. And we ask that the Spirit of God would take the word of God and transform the child of God into the image of the Son of God. And Lord Jesus, that is our heart's cry tonight. That is our, our great desire tonight. We want so much to be like you to be more like you. And we ask that the Spirit of God would form you in us, that others may see Christ only always living in me. And we'll give you thanks and we'll give you praise. We ask it in Jesus' precious and holy name. And everyone agreeing said, Amen. Amen. I want you to follow with me in your Bibles as we begin reading in verse 18. Paul the Apostle says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess... But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the reverence or fear of God. Heard the story about a vacuum cleaner salesman that was out in the Midwest, and he was going from city to city to sell vacuums. And as he was driving in the country from one city on his way to another city, he got the thought that, why Why should I wait to get to the city to sell a vacuum? I'm sure these country folk out here could use a vacuum. So he turned down a dirt road and headed toward a farmhouse, and when he got up to the farmhouse, he knocked on the door, and a lady opened the door, and immediately he threw a little pile of dirt into her living room. And he said, Madam, if this vacuum does not scoop up that dirt, I will eat it with a spoon. She looked at him and said, you all better start eating because we ain't got no electricity. (laughs) You know, that is true also in the Christian life. There are a lot of Christians that ain't got no electricity. They just don't seem to experience the power of the Spirit in their lives. As Christians, we need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to walk worthy of our calling. I want you to hold your place here in Ephesians 5, but turn back real quickly to chapter 1, verse 4 for just a moment. Paul the Apostle says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, Paul wrote this epistle to the Ephesians from prison, I beg you, I beseech you, that you walk worthy Of the vocation wherewith you are called. Paul is calling us in the latter half of Ephesians to a worthy walk. Now, the word worthy actually means to weigh the same as. If Jesus were put in a scale on one side and you were put on a scale on the other side, the question is, would you weigh the same as Jesus Christ? What it means is is that we bring our practice up to our position. Positionally, as Christians, we are complete in Christ. We are righteous in Christ. Our standing in Him is complete. But the goal of the Christian life, called sanctification, is that we become more and more like Jesus Christ until that day when we see Him and we are, we, are, we are changed completely and perfectly into His image. But in the interim, right now, while we're waiting for the Lord to come receive us or to take us home by way of death, our desire should be that we are more like Jesus every day. And that we are walking worthy of that calling by which we are called. The worthy walk. Ephesians tells us that we should walk in unity. Chapter 4 Verses 1 to 16, we should walk in purity. Chapter 4, verse 17 to 32. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5, verses 1 to 7, that we should walk in love. In chapter 5, verses 8 to 14, that we should walk in light. And then in chapter 5, verses 15 to 17, that we should walk in wisdom. And then he begins to speak about walking in the Spirit of And walking in victory. But the question for us tonight is how can I walk in unity, purity, love, in the light, and in wisdom, and in victory? How can I live the worthy walk? How can I become more like Jesus Christ? And going back with me now to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. The answer is given to us in this single verse. The answer to the question, how do I live out the worthy walk? How do I become more like Jesus Christ? Be ye filled with the Spirit. The key is the Spirit of God. In Galatians 5.16, Paul says, This I say unto you, walk in the Spirit, and you shall what? Not fulfill the lust." Of the flesh. Isn't that an amazing verse? If we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Godhead. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is sometimes the neglected person person of the Godhead. We, we focus on the Father and on the Son, but we forget about the blessed Holy Spirit, who is every bit God, as the Father and the Son, has all the divine attributes that the Father and the Son have. And when we are born again, He comes to live inside of us. Be perfectly clear about this. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit living inside of them as an abiding possession. If you do not have the Spirit, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, you are none of His. To be a Christian is to have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. The Holy Spirit also baptizes us into the body of Christ. The moment you are saved or regenerated, you are taken out of Adam and you are placed into Christ. You are taken out of darkness and you are placed in the light. You are set free from the bondage of sin to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. And then we know also that the Holy Spirit, thirdly, seals us unto the day of redemption. There's so much that the Spirit of God does the moment we are saved that very few people understand. All of the wonderful blessings and benefits that are ours the moment we are saved by God's grace. But unfortunately, though people are born again of the Spirit, they are indwelt by the Spirit, they are sealed by the Holy Spirit. He is the engagement ring or the endowment. Many people, though they have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does not have them. That's the key. And you may be here tonight, but does the Holy Spirit have control of your life? He may be resident in your life, but is he president of your life. In the church, you can find three basic groups of people. There are those who come to church but do not know the Lord. They haven't been born again. The Holy Spirit does not live within them, so they are obviously not filled with the Holy Spirit. They're what the Bible calls the natural man. Secondly, you find in the church, those who are born again they have the Holy Spirit living in them, but they have never given Him control of their lives, and they are what we call carnal Christians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul writing to believers in Corinth said, I could not write unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto babes, because you are carnal. I believe the Bible teaches that there are such things as carnal Christians. Carnal means that they are controlled still by their flesh. And then we find a third group in the church. Those who come to church. They've been born again. They are indwelt by the Spirit of God. They are saved, but they are also sanctified. They are becoming more like Jesus every day. And the Spirit of God has taken control of their life because they have surrendered. They have yielded. Every part of their life, their mind, their emotions, their will, everything they own, their time, their talents, their treasures, are all completely surrendered and yielded to God, and they live the Spirit-filled life. To be a Christian doesn't mean necessarily that you are Spirit-filled. You can be a Christian... And not be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the question that I would propose to you tonight, are you a Spirit-filled Christian? Not just a Christian, not just coming to church, but are you truly a Spirit-filled believer? What level do you find yourself living at tonight? If you are not a Spirit-filled believer, then your life is lacking power, and no doubt it's marked by defeat and discouragement. Now, as we look at the subject tonight of being filled with the Spirit, if you're taking notes, it's quite clear. You can write them down. There are four things that I want to look at. Number one, I want to look at the contrast. The contrast. Number two, the command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number three, the conditions. What do we need to do to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And then number four, the consequences. What, we, what, what can we expect our lives to look like or be like? What will happen to us if we are spirit-filled believers? First of all, let's look together at the contrast. Verse 18. Paul says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is debauchery. My King James translation has excess. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt not drink wine. My preference would be that it say that. I don't think Christians ought to drink alcohol, but I can't put you under my you know, limitations or restrictions in any way. But the Bible very clearly says, note this, that we are not to be intoxicated. We are not to be drunk on wine wherein is debauchery. Now Paul might have been thinking of what was known as the Bacchanalian cult they had a the, the god Bacchus the god of wine and they would drink wine and they would get in this altered state of consciousness they would become intoxicated and by doing that they were they were worshiping Bacchus the god of wine and coming out of that culture Paul might be saying to these people hey listen don't be drunk on wine. And I think that that is a, a fitting statement for us today. There's so many that, whose lives are destroyed by alcohol, by strong drink. It's so damaging. It's such a, such a powerful force in people's lives. You're not to be under the control of alcohol. Those who are under its control so many times lose self-control. They do things that they would never do when they're sober. They say things they would never say when they are sober. They get this pseudo false kind of sense of confidence. You know, the 90, 85 pound weakling guy at the bar jumps up on top of the bar. I'm going to lick anyone in the house. Come on, you know. Paul is seeking to build a contrast here. Rather than being intoxicated with wine, rather than, rather than being under the influence of wine, out of control on wine. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Years ago, my wife and I were out to, to dinner one night, sitting in a booth there, enjoying a quiet meal, and just eating away. And a guy that was sitting behind me, evidently had far too much to drink, stood up out loud right in this restaurant, looked right at me. And this is right in the town where I've pastored for 30 years. And he starts to yell at me, You stole my wife! I'm thinking, this is great. The whole rest... Isn't that Pastor Miller over there? Wow, he stole this man's wife. And he started to double up and come at me right in the restaurant. I mean, I was under the table. My wife's name is Christy. Christy, do something, do something. Of course, they had to grab him and usher him out of the restaurant... But what a scene that was. And it's so sad that people lose control of their facilities. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we gain control. We gain a God-centered confidence. And unlike those who have a pseudo joy, you know, they get drunk and they're happy, you know, how dry I am kind of a thing. And when the Holy Spirit fills us, it's a true spiritual joy that comes from deep within. Be not drunk on wine wherein is excess. But now, secondly, I want you to notice the command. Be filled with the Spirit, verse 18. So the contrast, do not be drunk on wine. And then the command, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I threw the word holy in there. You might have noticed it's not in the text. But I do believe that the Spirit here is a reference to the Holy Spirit of God. I realize in the Greek it could be translated either to refer to the human spirit or the Holy Spirit, but most Bible scholars believe in the context that it is indeed a reference to the Holy Spirit of God. Now, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Let me tell you what it does not mean, okay? We could go on and on and on, but let me just mention a couple of things. It is not the same as being indwelt by the Spirit. Don't confuse the two. Every Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And let me make something else perfectly clear. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, guess how much of the Spirit comes to live in you? All of the Holy Spirit. You are complete in Him, right? Who is the head of all principalities and powers. That statement in Colossians, by the way, Paul uses a nautical term, which means ship-shaped, fully rigged, ready to sail. You are complete in Christ. There's not one Christian here tonight that has indwelling in him more or less of the Holy Spirit than any other believer. We all have, share equally in that one Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope of our calling. Filling of the Holy Spirit is not the same as being regenerated or born again. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not the same as being sealed, nor is it the same as the earnest of the Holy Spirit. Nor do I believe that being filled with the Holy Spirit, and listen carefully to me tonight, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not getting more of the Holy Spirit. I just said that you have all of the Holy Spirit Being born again. It is not getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit getting more of you. In simplest terms, we over-mystify this whole teaching on the filling of the Holy Spirit. In simplest terms, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is not you having the Spirit, but the Spirit having you. And my question tonight is, how much of the Holy Spirit... Or how much of you, excuse me, does the Holy Spirit have? Billy Graham says this in his wonderful book on the Holy Spirit. He says, We Christians are to be progressively sanctified or made righteous in holiness. As we daily abide in Christ and obey His Word, abiding and obedience are the keys to successful Spirit-dominated life. We are as much sanctified... As we are possessed by the Holy Spirit. It is never a question of how much you and I have of the Spirit, but how much He has of us. And so to be Spirit-filled simply means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. That we surrender our mind, we surrender, surrender our will, we surrender our emotions. And we are controlled by the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, the word "filled" means controlled by in Luke chapter four verse twenty eight even unbelievers it says were filled with wrath from the inside, wrath just took over and you know people like that, and we've experienced that where anger takes over and we find ourselves just kind of even out of control with anger that's that's what it means to be filled. The Bible says in acts thirteen verse forty five that the Jews were filled with envy. Now there are four things that we need to know about this filling with the Holy Spirit. First of all, it is, in the Greek, an imperative. It's in what's called the imperative mode. You say, well, groovy-doovy, what does that mean? It means that it is a command. You got that? It is not an option. It is obligatory. It is God's will for every believer. So to be Spirit-filled is the normal Christian life. Sometimes we find somebody that's really on fire for God, and they're really going for it. And we say, oh, wow, because they're they're the Spirit-filled kind, you know. They're not only born again, they're Spirit-filled, you know. And man, they're out of control. I'm a normal Christian. They're a fanatic Christian. No, The Spirit-filled life is the normal Christian life. We owe it to God to be Spirit-filled. We owe it to ourselves to be Spirit-filled. We owe it to our families. If you're married, you owe it to your spouse to be Spirit-filled. Please be Spirit-filled. You owe it to your children. You owe it to the church. You owe it to your friends and neighbors to live the Spirit-filled life. It is a command thus not to be filled with the spirit is an act of disobedience you ever thought about that for you say well you know i want to be a christian but not one of those spirit filled kind you know i don't want to be controlled by the spirit you know that's crazy well then you're living in disobedience god commands us secondly the verb is in the plural form So is the preceding verb, do not drink wine, wherein is debauchery. So both are imperatives. They are written to the whole Christian community. In other words, the filling of the Holy Spirit is not for some privileged super saints. But it is a duty resting upon all believers. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for evangelists. It's not just for Sunday school teachers, you know, man, especially the junior high, they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God, fill them with your Spirit. No, it's for every one of us. The third thing you need to know is that it is in what's called the passive voice, which means the object has something acting upon it. So it could be translated let the Spirit fill you. We do not fill ourselves. The filling comes from the Spirit of God within. We we get the idea that to be filled with the Holy Spirit that it comes from the outside. Did you know that to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to surrender to the Holy Spirit who is living and abiding in you? That's what it means to be Spirit-filled. It means that we surrender to Him and let Him control our lives. Fourthly, you need to know that this command, be filled with the Holy Spirit, is in the present tense. What does that mean? Well, it means that it's not just a one-time endowment or one-time zap. It is not a one-time experience where you get a dose of the ghost, so to speak. And man, I'm under the spout where the glory comes out, you know. I got zapped by the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, I'm living in Canaan's land. Isn't it wonderful? Whereby it brings you to some spiritual level where you never deal with the flesh, or the devil, or the world, or any problems anymore, I'm super saint, you know. So very important to understand this. It's hard to translate into the English, but it would be translated, be ye being filled with the Spirit. That means every day, throughout the day, moment by moment, you need to yield the control of your life to the Spirit of God. When you go to work Monday morning, you need a dose of the Ghost. You need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to say, Lord, I surrender to you. I'm going to my work and I'm around a lot of heathens. I'm a lot of of unbelievers, Lord. It's a worldly environment. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Help me to to walk in the Spirit today. When you come home from work and you go into the house and you're going to meet your wife, you know, you've been gone all day. Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. There's no telling what I'm going to find through the other side of those doors, Lord. Help me to walk in your spirit. I remember when our kids were young, I'd come home from preaching and teaching and counseling, you know, and my wife would say, can you change the baby's diaper? And I'm kind of like, what? Defile these sanctified hands? I'm a man of God. I can't do those things but I certainly can pray that you can change the baby's diaper. (laughs) Do you know that as practical as changing a diaper at home and giving the kids a bath and reading them their Bible stories and putting them in bed, we need the Holy Spirit's filling. Helping your wife, helping your husband, loving one another, supporting one another. That's where the Spirit-filled life comes into play. It's not jumping up and down in the church service. Every, anyone can do that. It's not how high you jump when the Spirit touches you. It's how straight you walk when you hit the ground. That's what's important. It's like the old steam engines, you know. You pull the rope and... Boop, boop, and they blow the whistle. That, is, that wasn't the main purpose of the steam, okay? The steam was to drive the train down the track. A lot of people think the Holy Spirit is just to come to church and toot your whistle. Jump up and down, get the holy jumps or the holy rolls or the holy toots or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) No. And we're going to see the results in just a moment. It's very practical. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They opened their mouths to preach the word and they praised the Lord and they prayed. Anytime someone was filled with the Holy Spirit, they preached, they proclaimed, or they prayed. And we find that over and over and over again, in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, in Acts 4, verse 8 and 31, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. So it happens to us more than once. Thirdly, I want us to look at tonight the conditions for being filled. What are the conditions... To be filled with the Holy Spirit. You might want to write these down if you're taking notes. Number one, desire. Write down the word desire. Being filled with the Spirit starts with the desire to be filled. David Jeremiah said many people will take notes on a sermon and promptly file them in the back of their Bibles. They won't really think much about the message after that because the general mentality in the evangelical world goes something like this we don't want to be lost but we don't want to be so spirit filled that we can't enjoy the, that we can't enjoy life either so we choose a middle of the road position yeah we'll go to church and we'll kind of get it out of the way for the weekend and then we'll then we'll really have fun you know, okay, let's, 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 let's go to church. Let's, let's get it done. Let's get out of the way. And then let's do something really fun, okay? <laughs> and Christ isn't the center of their life. They're not really seeking Him with all their heart and all their mind and all their soul. Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him what? Deny himself and take up his couch His lazy boy? No. His remote control? His cross. Cost of discipleship. If any man come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and let him follow me. The cost of discipleship. We live in a world today where very few understand the cost of discipleship. What it means to be sanctified. To grow into Christ-likeness. We're more concerned with our comfort than we are with character. God's concerned with our character. He wants to produce Christ-likeness in us. How about you? Are you fearful of the Spirit-filled life, thinking that you might do things that you don't want to do or stop doing things that you do want to do? Jesus said in John chapter 7, If any man is thirsty, catch that, if, are you thirsty tonight? If you want to come out of the lowlands of mediocrity and complacency and apathy, and you want to enter into the abundant life of the Holy Spirit, where you are walking in the Spirit, where you are filled with the Spirit, where you are empowered with the Spirit, and that doesn't mean that you're, you're, you're never going to have problems anymore, Okay. Like this sermon, I'm going to get spirit-filled and I'll never have a problem. My car will always start when I turn the key. Nothing will ever go wrong. Not so. But it means that you will have a new sense of God's presence, and God's peace, and God's joy, and God's power in your life. And you will enter into a whole new life of being filled with His Spirit. If any man thirst, let him come unto me. And What? Drink, right? What do you do when you're thirsty? You get something to drink. But when you're spiritually thirsty, you come to Jesus Christ and you drink from that fountain. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I want you to know that the they there in that text is emphatic. That means they and they alone. They and they only. The only ones that are filled are those who hunger and those who thirst after righteousness. So the first thing you need to be Spirit-filled is desire. The second thing you need is to denounce sin in your life. Desire and denounce sin in your life. Now, this is a step beyond confession. We can confess, but not denounce sin, or forsake sin. You can't be filled if you're harboring sin in your life. You want to know why? It grieves the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says it like this, Grieve not the Spirit of God. Now, I don't think you can grieve Him away. But you can certainly grieve Him. And you can keep Him from empowering your life by sin. You need to ask the Lord to show you the sin that you need to denounce or forsake or turn from. The Bible says in 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, right? And to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. But then you need to go on to live a life that is holy and righteous. The pursuit of holiness. A third thing you need to do, excuse me, is you need to dedicate yourself wholly and fully and completely to Christ. You need to desire. You need to denounce sin. And you need to thirdly dedicate yourself fully to Christ. Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 12. I beg you. By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies unto God as a, what? Living sacrifice. You know the verse. Are you being doers of the word? Or just hearers only? You know, one of the problems of the living sacrifice has the tendency to keep crawling off the altar. Oh God, I give you everything. Lord, take my silver and my gold. Not a might will I withhold. Then Friday night comes on. Lord, can I have a little back for Friday night? There's a good party tonight I want to go to. Lord, then Sunday morning you can, what I don't spend, you can have back. We keep crawling off the altar. We need to be totally surrendered to God. You choose. You decide tonight whether or not you will live the Spirit-filled life. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The same consequences or results of being Spirit-filled here in Ephesians as we're going to see in a moment the same consequences or results of being Word-filled. I want to make myself perfectly clear here tonight. You cannot be a Spirit-filled Christian without feeding on, studying, meditating, obeying the Word of God. You got that? You can't neglect your Bible. You can't put it on a shelf. And just get filled with the Holy Spirit and expect to live the Spirit-filled life. The Spirit-filled life is a Word-filled life. You meditate on God's Word. You feed on God's Word. You delight yourself in the Word of God. And you find that the Spirit of God takes the Word of God... And He transforms you, the child of God, into the very image of the Son of God. That's how the Spirit of God works. The Spirit of God does not work in a vacuum. It's like a train that runs on a track. The Holy Spirit runs on a track. That track is the Bible. And the more of the Word of God, the fuel we put in our life, the more He has to work with. Remember David said in the Psalms, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? Sin against thee. It's the way to holiness. We must dedicate ourselves completely to Christ and to obedience to the word of God. And fourthly, we must daily depend upon the Spirit. We must depend daily upon the Spirit of God. When Paul says, walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh, what does it mean to walk? When I walk, I put one foot in front of the other. And by the way, the older I get, the harder it gets to walk. I never thought I'd see the day when I had to hold on to things, you know. It's like, oh, I'm getting old. But when I walk, as I put one foot forward, then I put my weight on that foot. And then I take another step, and I put my weight on that foot and that leg. And then I take another step, and I put the weight on. I depend on each step that I take. To walk in the Spirit means basically that daily, moment by moment, I depend upon the Spirit of God with every issue that comes into my life. Walking in the Spirit is trusting in the Lord God every moment of every day. You get up in the morning and you say, Lord, I give you my day. Guide me. Direct me. After you get going, you say, Lord, help me today. Lead me today. In the middle of the day again, you shoot another prayer heaven heavenward. Lord, fill me today. Empower me today. Guide me today. Direct me today. And you meditate on God's Word. The conditions for being filled desire... Denounce sin, dedicate yourself to the Lord, and depend on the Spirit of God every day. Now, fourthly and lastly, what about the consequences of being filled? We find those back in here in Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 19 to 21. If we meet the conditions of being filled, the consequences are found in the text. Notice, first of all, there be a new joy in my heart. Verse 19, speaking one to another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it brings to you a new song in your heart. A singing Christian is evidence of a spirit spirit filled Christian. doesn't say you have to sing good. Some people say, well, I, I don't sing at church because, you know what, I have a horrible voice. Well, then make a joyful noise unto the Lord, okay? Grunt to the Lord if you must. Groan to the Lord. But do something by all means. Notice that that speaking to one another, as the Spirit fills our lives, it helps us in our interpersonal relationships. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So wonderful when the Lord just gives you a, a song in your heart. And you know that little phrase, they're making melody in your hearts to the Lord, literally in the Greek means to pluck the strings. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit plucking the strings of your heart. Whenever the song goes out of my life, I know immediately that, that I'm not walking in the Spirit. Notice, secondly, that when I am filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 20, there is a new thankfulness. He says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit filled Christians are not grumblers. Or complainers. And this is this is a challenge for me. This is where the, the text really hits me right between the eyes. I have the gift of complaining. It just flows. It just flows from me so naturally. My my wife calls me Mr Krabby. And I get tired, and I get picky, and and traffic, you know. I live in Southern California. I mean, try driving the freeways there. It's hard not to, to, you know, lose your salvation. (laughs) It's like the little boy that said, Mommy, why is it when Dad drives, all the idiots come out? They never come out when Mom's driving. And it's like, you I'm getting mad and getting bummed out. And it's like, you know what? You can go from being spirit filled on a Saturday night service at Calvary to the next moment as you're trying to get out of the parking lot. To being the carnal man, to being in the flesh. You can go from the spiritual man to the carnal man. You can get home and find out things aren't just right. The food isn't right. The dinner isn't cooked. The house isn't cleaned, or whatever it might be, or things aren't right with your husband, and you can go from the Spirit to the flesh immediately. That's why we need to walk in the Spirit continually. But when the Spirit fills us, we have thankful hearts. What an awesome thing it is to have a thankful heart. First Thessalonians 5, verse 18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, Concerning you. And then I want you to notice the third and last result of being spirit-filled in the text. Verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the reverence and fear of God. Submission. So there's a new joyfulness. There's a new thankfulness. And there's a new submissiveness. Spirit-filled Christians don't necessarily know they are spirit-filled. They are selfless, Christ-centered, and they're thinking of others. And they are humble. You know, a humble person doesn't know they're humble. You know, if a person stands up in a testimony meeting and says, I want to thank God, I've finally arrived at humility. Everybody claps and they go, yes, thank you, praise God. I am so humble. No, you're not. You're dumb You're not humble. Humility is that virtue that when you know you've got it, you just lost it. It's like a wet bar of soap. You grab on and it's gone, you know. The spirit-filled person doesn't go around drawing attention to themselves. Nowhere in the Bible does anyone who is spirit-filled ever say they are spirit-filled. Their focus is others. Their desire is to glorify God. The closer we are to Jesus, the more we are conscious of our own complete unworthiness and sinfulness. The more humble we become. The person who is filled with the Spirit is occupied with Christ and is humble and submissive toward others. And notice that the first place that this submission manifests itself, this joy, this thankfulness, is in the home. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own Husbands, you go, did you have to read that next verse? This entire sermon, I was praying that you wouldn't read that verse. As a matter of fact, that shouldn't be in the Bible. That was written before my husband was born. (laughs) Had Paul written that after my husband and I were married, it would not be in the Bible. I don't think so. Do you know, wives, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll be the submissive wife God wants you to be. Secondly, it manifests itself in the children-parent relationship. Chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents. Can you imagine? Spirit-filled children. You go, oh, yes. Oh, grant it, Lord. (laughs) Obedient to their parents. And then it spills over into the workplace. In chapter 6, verse 5, servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of heart is unto Christ. So it affects your home life and your work life. You go, well, wait a minute, this isn't right. What about the husbands? Well, it affects them too. Spirit-filled husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church. And they give honor unto their wives as unto the weaker vessels and heirs together of the grace of life. Spirit-filled parents do not provoke their children to wrath, but they bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We need Spirit-filled parents. We find also that on the job, Spirit-filled employers... Give unto their workers what is right and just and equal and treat them fairly. It affects the workplace. The submission is reciprocal. It's submitting one to another in the reverence and the fear of God. We today, as believers, need the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit more than we've ever needed Him before. We need to come before the Lord today and say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all.